we you ready for me now? Go ahead. One <laughs> uh, that they my children started going to the church school because we didn't have one that interested them, and I was happy for them to go any place where uh, they would go for a religious training. I, I still believe it. I'm still very religious, despite of not being practicing it as well <laughs> as I should. Um, so the two older children had already been confirmed. No, no. well, that's unimportant. The eight-year-old, my youngest son, came home one Sunday and said, how do I get unbaptized from the Episcopal Church? get unbaptized. I want to join that church where I'm going. Meanwhile, Ellen, the oldest one, had become the first black girl to be get a scholarship to Camp Minnewanka up in, uh, up in Michigan. And the boy, the older boy, had gone to camp. All of them were just enchanted with the wonderful uh, programs they had for children at Pilgrim Church. So I said, okay, maybe we can get your dad to uh, leave the Methodist Church and then all of us will be in the church together. And that's, oh, that's where we bring dad in. And uh, he said, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Came the day to be received into the church. He said, no, I'm gonna stay in the Methodist Church. But all of us went to Pilgrim and I think that Pilgrim Church and Alan Hackett, Alan and Dot Hackett, who are among the saints, among the white people, <laughs> um, it brought, made me more conscious of what we had to do. And um, so we, I, it was at that stage in my life that I became more active, but there, we're ahead okay. of ourselves what again. What you had to do to, to uh, help to, to help change. Yes, Thanks. yes. Um, all right, I'm going to take us back mm -hmm. to where we were um, in the 30s. 30s. When I got married. Well, that's what, that's <laughs> what I want to know how you met uh, yeah. Mr. Sweets. Well, um, he came here fresh out of Lincoln University on his way to law school. He was then about 21 years old, or, or he was in his 20s because he was one of those vagabonds who went from one school to another. Not a particularly great student, but he uh, would work in the summers and then take a notion once he went on a ship to Europe with uh, somebody to work for the experience, you know. And he didn't finish college until he was in his early 20s. He came to St. Louis just as I was leaving to go to Howard. I remember I was 19. And um, so I finished uh, high school at 15. Oh, that was another thing. We were, when we were children, we were so eager to be smart that we, our little crowd, which did include one dark-skinned girl, who's my friend right now, um, uh, finished high school at 15, and then 
So teacher's college then at that time was only two years. So I finished teacher's college at 17. And I had done a little a subbing. So it was 19, at uh, 19 I was going off to Howard. And he came here and we met briefly. But I had a very good friend who was working in the office. She was just out of high school, I mean out of, halfway out of college. Uh, and she had a job in the newspaper office. The editor of our paper, I know you know about him, God rest his, I almost said God rest his soul, he isn't dead. Um, and B. Young, Nathan B. Young. I know about him, but. Oh, you know about him, but he no, 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 but I want you to talk about him because we're doing this for mm. educational purposes, mm. so it's not well, important what he, I know. He was the editor uh, of the St. Louis American. He was in on the founding. He, he is now referred to in the, on the masthead of the paper as a founder. He wasn't really a founder, but he was there at the very beginning. And now that he is in his 90s, we let it go at his being a founder of the newspaper. And his father was formerly a president of Lincoln University. And my husband, who had left his little country home down in southwest Missouri, had gone to Lincoln and had been sort of adopted by the Young family and the Swish family, another set of people who were closely related to the uh, university. So that he sort of broke all his ties with his, his uh, little uh, family down there and went with these other people who took him in and I, my children grew up knowing them as relatives and not knowing his, his own family. people, which was a great mistake. We were, that's another story too. Um, we, I went off to school and I came back and because I was always interested in writing, this friend of mine who is ill now, uh, and as I said, was one of the dark people in our crowd. Um, we started writing a column together as a lark uh, in the paper. What was the name of that? It was, <laughs> I laugh when I say it was called We're Telling, <laughs> W-E apostrophe R-E T-L-L-I-N apostrophe, We're Telling. We're telling, okay. <laughs> and we couldn't think of the name. It's so silly. So you you worked for the St. Louis I American. I worked uh, just as uh, while I was teaching school. We were both teachers. Uh -huh. She was now a was, teacher. Now was Sweets there yet? Yeah, he, he was, was there. Okay, uh -huh. but but we left there. that little portion out of how he got there. That oh, he was on his way. He came here, going to uh, planning to go to law school, mm -hmm. and. It was the time of the Depression, and N.B. Young, I mean, his father, told him, sent him to his son here, mm -hmm. uh, Nathan B. Young, to uh, see if he could find summer work. And he started working with, with Young at the American. 
and the depression deepened and Young didn't have any money and my husband was very aggressive. I don't really know how he got. He had a little money. He had inherited a little money and he was quite a gambler. Uh, I mean a gambler. He, he was willing to take, take chances and he um, sank whatever he had into the St. Louis American because of his friendship with with Young. And he was not only willing to uh, drop money, he, he liked gambling uh, on racehorses and playing poker. And at times he was very lucky. <laughs> I don't, and yet he was a very hard worker too. He would work hard and he'd play hard. And whenever he had money, he would put it into the newspaper. And um, somehow the two of them struggled along with this paper for years. They even in 1980 when we sold it, we were still poor. I mean, poor so far as what you'd expect. Uh, people thought we had money, but we didn't. <laughs> we, uh, we just got by, really. And um, then Young, let me see, he served as as uh, editor for many Your husband came in as a years. business manager? He, he started as a business manager, but by 1935, I think it is, well, Benny could, oh, you know, that's what I was telling you. Benny could tell you better. He can remember the dates. Benny Rogers. But it was in the middle 30s. But Benny didn't come until 46. Oh. What happened in between there? Um, oh, well, they had a series of editors. That's right. We had E.N. Davis. That's right. And somebody else. Had a couple of people in there along with Young. But always my husband became the publisher in... I think Benny said it was 1935, because Benny was then a cab driver. Right. He's a rare, rare, remarkable man that comes from, um, there must be a lot of uh, good gray matter in the genes in his family, because um, while he was just a cab driver and he was uh, sort of addicted to the bottle also, and my husband was fond of him. and. Uh, this is way later in the 40s, but the 30s, he, he and Young were struggling together. Yes, that's right. Until And you were on the paper. And I was working for nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> working for free. And you met him again. And uh, all the time he was courting me, but uh, all in between I was more interested in other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were just, uh, we'd date and you go out, but no, there was always somebody on the side, but he was always there waiting all the time, you know. He'd go off with somebody else too, and then we'd get back together. This went on for years. Um, and it, we married in 1937. I think finally, you know, I was getting old by that time. <laughs> and I was saying, well, you know, this man is so devoted. He's so good. He's so good-humored. He's got all of all of the wonderful qualities, but I, I never thought that I had 
you know, this overwhelming love affair that many women have, you know. <laughs> it was, um, it was pleasant and, and all, and he was good, and so as life went on, you know, we were married more than 50 years, <laughs> and we put up with each other. <laughs> so as we struggled, all of us, with the paper. My children came up in the newspaper also. They say that they learned the hard way there. Um, so that was how we got together. That's how you got together. All right. Um, let's, let's turn this off a minute. When you, when you married uh, Sweet, um, now what happened to your job as a teacher? Oh, that was ended the job as a teacher. That's when I began working uh, more or less, not full time, but working more in the newspaper. Explain why mm -hmm. it ended your job as a teacher. Oh, in those uh, days, let's see, in 1930, uh, when I married? In 1937. Mm -hmm. um, the law was still that a teacher's um, who married had to give up their jobs. This was uh, sort of a measure that went back into antiquity when jobs for teachers were uh, not so, uh, they were more plentiful. And, uh, no, less plentiful, which am I saying? Um, you had to make rooms, room, yeah. There was uh, more demand, yeah. They uh, had to uh, make room for other teachers, others who wanted the jobs. People who didn't have another means of yeah, support. Yeah, yeah. And most black people didn't have other means of support. Of course, this applied to white and black at that time. Um, but all of us, uh, as we grew up, all, all that we could look forward to being was a teacher, a social worker, or a nurse. I always wanted to be a nurse, but my mother wanted me to be a teacher because she had been a teacher. <laughs> so that's how I became a teacher. <laughs> and you did what your mother wanted in yeah. those days. Yeah. <laughs> and so that when I married, that was the end of that, and I didn't know anything else, uh, but um, I wasn't prepared for anything except teaching and, and writing. I always liked writing, mm -hmm. which I owe to my parents having taught me to read. <laughs> so. I mean, to like reading. So that my children grew up in the, working in the newspaper too. My son, oh, you don't want me to get that far, do you? <laughs> no. That's so all right. Um, we worked together. That's, we can get into that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, talk uh, about your children. Well, yeah, let's, 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 mm -hmm. let's, you had how many? Three. Three children. Mm -hmm. And who was the oldest? Uh, uh, the oldest is my daughter, Ellen. Ellen. Uh, and, uh, She's now 47, um, and the second one is uh, Nathaniel Jr., who lives here, and the youngest is Fred, who's uh, at the Washington Post. And you see, they all, the, the, the quietest, least aggressive one is the one that lives here now. He's the only one that finished college. The other two are dropouts, and yet, my 
son who said all he wanted to learn was photography and he was at the University of uh, Missouri right here at Umso. He dropped out after his sophomore year and now he is the photo editor at the Washington Post, the best <laughs> newspaper, <laughs> the top paper. I asked him where he was going to go from there. I said, you could move somewhere because his wife just became um, assistant superintendent of schools in Baltimore and she's having to commute and they got two little children. And uh, I, I said, you could go some, live somewhere else where you wouldn't have to uh, make some, uh, wouldn't have to have such expensive living expenses in Washington. He said, Mother, do you realize I'm at the top? <laughs> where would I go to another newspaper? <laughs> I'm at the top. <laughs> I didn't realize that that the Washington Post was it was that the, the New York Times is next and the Los Angeles Times they got all this figured out. Mm -hmm. uh, and my daughter, who went to Antioch and to Washington U, but jumped up and got married to an English boy and went to England. That's another story too. Oh, we've had we've had wonderful life. <laughs> um, is a, a PR editor at AT and T. But they both came along right at the moment when there was a demand for black people, good, good workers and uh, proficient, uh, who d didn't have to have a degree. Ellen was one of the first, if not the first, black reporter at the Post-Dispatch. My son was the first, or nearly the first black photographer at the Post-Dispatch. And they just moved on up, up, up. <laughs> and your other son here? And my son here, who is the quiet, sweet one. Um, oh, they're all sweet. Uh, they're all good. Um, is finished college, and he always wanted to be a policeman, of all things. He worked in the newspaper, too. All of them worked at the St. Louis American mm -hmm. in one uh, capacity or another. But he always wanted to be a policeman. He wanted to be something in law and order. And now, do you know what he is? He is a counselor at the juvenile detention place uh, office in Clayton. in Clayton. And he's also in the reserve. He's the only one who went to the army. The 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 second boy had told me he would go. He he run off to Canada before he was going to any uh, Vietnam or what was it, the Vietnam War or the other one? Korea. Korean War. And he got out though because he had asthma. <laughs> His pediatrician wrote a good strong letter for him. And the, and this one, the older one, was saved from uh, Vietnam through um, connections which serve, it's amazing how a newspaper, a little newspaper like the St. Louis American can build up some connections with the right folks in the Pentagon and saved him from going to Vietnam. <laughs> That's another story too. Uh, but he is the one who has three children. That's that family in the middle there. He has three children. The the daughter and the other, the son who is there with the little girl um, has had two, it, this is a second marriage uh, for him. But this one is the old fashioned religious group there. <laughs> it's Old a funny timing. thing. And my daughter divorced and has a, a, a daughter. See, she's a single parent. 
and uh, so it goes back to maybe the religious values, what it means. <laughs> Whose idea was it for them to uh, work at the paper? They just fell into they it just naturally? Fell into it by, uh, I think uh, they, they adored their father. I mean, he was a very good father. He was a good husband and a good father. Not that uh, the glamorous, exciting <laughs> person that, uh, you know, many girls, as I said, there was never that fire and excitement about uh, love and all that. Uh, but it's a deeper thing that grew with age mm -hmm. and appreciation for it. And they, uh, they, they thought there's no, no, they would do anything for their father, anything their father wanted to do. And uh, so they tried. And maybe if he hadn't been stubborn, he was stubborn, he was the kind of father who wouldn't let them have their reign, uh, hold the reins, so how do you put it? He um, was stubborn and he wanted to do things his way and so they left. They split and went their own way and proved what they could do. But it, you know, maybe we didn't, we had to sell the paper because we, he was in failing health in, in 1980 and uh, he couldn't um, carry on and the children had to go where they could take care of themselves, which they did, so. There's two ways I want to go mm -hmm. now. I want to talk about the fact that uh, I think we'll take, take you first. Here you had lived a sheltered life, we've talked about it before, mm -hmm. and now you're marrying somebody who uh, is involved in the newspaper, which has to be, um, give a whole outlet mm -hmm. of avenues um, because they uh, protested, attacked, mm -hmm. times were changing, so you were now involved in a mm -hmm. whole new world. Yes, and I changed with it. I mean, I became just as, uh, well, uh, no, I was still a timid, quiet person, but I was willing to put on paper <laughs> mm -hmm. things that, uh, my thoughts, and um, I, I did not only that column, we continued to do that column for years. Uh, I mean, uh, up until the time the paper was sold, really, and even after that, I did it by myself. But I did articles, too, and well, I, I mean, I did serious things. Like, I went to Cuba once, and I did a whole series. I got a, won an award for it, um, uh, six, I remember I did a series of six stories on Cuba, and, and then was this thing. when Castro was uh, mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. And I, I did it, all kinds of things in the newspaper after, I, but I would work largely here at home, so mm -hmm. I was always home mm -hmm. with the kids. And for a time, we had an office right around the corner here. I could go out the alley mm -hmm. to on King's Highway, and then we had an office on Florissant. But I would spend maybe one full day a week at the newspaper, and otherwise I'd sit up here late at night. Now, was that where the people's the kids finance? To bed. People's Finance Building was on the corner of um, Jefferson and Market. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was in the 
thirties. And still in 40s. the 30s, yeah. Up and, yeah. I can't remember when it was 40s, because Benny Rogers said uh, he was yeah, there. Yeah, he remembers all the dates, yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. he was there, so mm -hmm. he had to be in the 40s. Mm -hmm. um, what was your mm -hmm. column where talent that was just... Uh, it was a hodgepodge. <laughs> of whatever. <laughs> of whatever. It, it took in births, deaths, marriages, events, just all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. we, uh, it was very lively. <laughs> it was um, to your husband now, uh, I have a note here that said he was he was born to freed slave parents. Is that yeah? That's possibly? what's in the little book we have here. We have a little book just written about that mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. area. Um, now, when he came on the paper, it seemed like a lot of things got started. Uh, I'm looking at my my notes now, and um, the cooking school. Oh yeah, talk yes. about the cooking school. Oh yes, he is. Uh, he had. He really was a good businessman. He could uh, dream up things that. Uh, yes, he started. Uh, that was a means of money making, you know, too, as well as being an educational thing was a means of uh, raising funds to go from <laughs> to the next few months. Explain how it worked. Uh, he sold uh, booths to advertisers. You see one... Booths? Um, booths. B-O-O-T-H. Oh, booths. <laughs> <Yeah>, booths. <laughs> okay. Uh, all around, they used the, the Masonic Hall over mm -hmm. on Del Mar. Uh, and the, the, the be found uh, serviced primarily by either of the gas, luckily gas would do, they'd do one in the fall and one in the spring. And one would be done, sponsored by luckily gas, and the other would be Union Electric. That's what they started off. And uh, they would um, sell to different um, stores, like national food stores was one of the original ones, and different manufacturers of uh, various products, grocery things, and bread companies, uh, you name it, uh, workmen, uh, suppliers of furniture, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of folks. And he would fill this place with booze that I don't remember the price or anything, and then uh, they would have a um, woman, uh, a caterer, a cook, who would demonstrate uh, and give away a stove always and other prizes. The big prize was always a stove or a refrigerator, depending mm -hmm. upon whether mm -hmm. it was in the electric or... Uh, he was an entrepreneur, wasn't he? Gas, yes. <laughs> and uh, the people thronged the there. It was free admission, of and course. this was and at the Phyllis Wheatley Y. Would, would, uh, uh, would then the the the, the Phyllis Wheatley Y. thing was was not uh, not a money making thing. That was uh, an institution that he started um, a Christmas party for girls. That was just uh, that went on for many years too. They just discontinued it last week. Oh, last this, this the, the cooking time. school wasn't held there? No, oh. no, no, the cooking school was held at the, 
Masonic Hall. Oh. And the first one might have been, I don't know where the first, no, the first one was downtown. No, it was never at the YWCA. Mm. The, the YWCA was the scene of the Christmas party every year for okay. girls, and that, that was purely uh, a gift to the, the girls of um, the YWCA, what they call it, committee, camp committee, or one of the committees of the Y, youth committee, mm -hmm. would in make the plans and invite, arrange for the school children to come, mm -hmm. girls. Ended up men, boys too, up until about two years ago since the other people bought the paper, then they stopped just discontinued it just two years ago. But it went on for years and years. That's a, that's a long time. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I guess Benny told you the, the, the dates to me. I don't remember <laughs> the dates, but he would know. And uh, I believe your husband started the Merit Awards for Worthwhile Civic Work. Oh, yes, we had. Uh, that was done in connection with the, uh, with the, we dipped, would get a, a special little tabloid out like they did just last week, mm -hmm. we had uh, the, the present uh, owners of the paper had, uh, they call it... Um, salute to Excellence. Salute, oh, you saw it. Salute to Excellence had the dinner last week. They had him on a much bigger scale than we ever did, of course. Mm -hmm. um, For the outstanding people. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we did it uh, not with a dinner or anything, just did it in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, annual awards. So he started mm -hmm. it. Um, and then the Pioneer Civic Forum, which was a series of panel discussions pertaining to oh, current events. Oh, yeah, I had even forgotten that. Yes, that went on down, down at the Pine Street Y, mm -hmm. which is long gone. That was so far back. Yes, I had forgotten that completely. He really reached out mm -hmm. into the community mm -hmm. for not only for issues, mm -hmm. but to help. Yes, it, it was more, uh, much more, what's the word I want to say, um, political, and no, not more political, but more issue-oriented mm -hmm. than it is now. Um, they still keep my name on the masthead as a contributing editor, but I contribute criticism more than anything else. Mm, that helps. I don't do a lot. Then he launched a Don't Buy Where You oh, Cannot yeah. Work campaign. Uh, that was really early on. That was, yes, as I said, that's how I grew with the, ish, with the uh, issue-oriented newspaper. This yes. had to do with the Colored Clerk Circle? Colored Clerk Circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, uh, and that was considered mm -hmm. radical then. Yes. And that you want to tell me about what that well why they did that and what it was about well it was uh, because it was during the depression you know and the people didn't have jobs and so uh, they uh, put this forth this week after week after week don't buy where you can't work mm -hmm. and try to encourage people to shop only in places where black people were hired mm -hmm. Yes, we, we really uh, worked on that, and the same thing was done about, I can't remember that there was a particular slogan, but there was, 
she was, I remember there was also a campaign against um, discrimination in places of um, recreation. For instance, at um, when they first built Hill Auditorium. And to save me, I can't remember whether there was a definite, there was some kind of campaign, but it isn't. See, that, that, that's what I need to think through and remember. That's hard uh, to remember. There were so that many. About going to...